when Michael left, I was devastated. I was like, this sucks. I mean, I know she's doing what she's supposed to be doing, but I just kind of felt like God took away one of my sisters from me. And I was like, okay, it's fine. I still have Millie, I guess. Um. (laughs) Little did you know. This is Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church in Franklin, Indiana, where we explore how the local church fits in with the global church and how the kingdom is at work on a local level. Current Church meets on Sunday nights at 6 at The Gear in Franklin and exists to encounter God, equip the church, and engage the world. We believe that whatever God is going to accomplish in this world, He is going to do through the church Big C. These are our stories and the testimony of the power of God in everyday lives. Find out more at currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Now here's your host, Jeremy. So before we turn our sights towards the holidays and a new year, we have time for one more look back at summer missions, summer travel. We had Abigail Wilhite in studio before her trip. We're going to check back in with her also, Macy Feasel and Melena Feasel. Let's get right to it. Thanks for listening. Abigail, I'm going to start with you because you've been here before. Oh, yay. Welcome back. We told you we'd have you back, and I don't think you believed me. (laughs) I don't think I did. It's been almost five months since you were here. Um, And then in uh, July, you left in June, came back in late July. So it doesn't feel like it's been that long ago, but here we are. Last year, you had been gone for only a week. This time, you were gone for six weeks, I think, or almost. Mm-hmm. I remember in the, the last time we had you here, you had mentioned, the first thing you mentioned about being gone for so long was your dog. <laughs> yeah. So I need to check in on that. How was it? <laughs> how did that go? Did you miss your dog? And, and how was the reunion? Um, I didn't miss my dog too much, I think, because we kept so busy that my mind was so preoccupied with like millions of other things all the time. But sometimes I'd see a stray dog and just really wish I could pet it, but I knew it was infested with fleas. And it was just like, man, I miss my clean dog. But when I came back home, he was like, he almost seemed confused at first. He was like, wait, she's been gone for a really long time. Oh my gosh. And he like flipped out. It was great. So beyond that, what was the difference between the one week trip in 2017 and this elongated version oh boy I'm sure so much yeah. so much the the length really allowed me to bond with my team a lot um we went through about a 12 day boot camp i believe and a lot of that was about just team building and getting closer with your teammates and learning how to work as a team and I didn't have that at all in the one week. They're just like, well, you guys are a youth group, so you probably already know each other. We don't really need to do that. And I was like, I don't know anyone except for Macy. So that was different. Um, it was a lot more challenging in every aspect, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And um, I felt a lot more involved, though, in the whole King's Castle um, organization. I felt like I was really a part of something, whereas I felt like I was just a visitor when I just came for one week. When you said boot camp, what is that as intense as it sounds? Yes, most definitely. <laughs> it was a spiritual, intellectual, and physical boot camp. About half of it was physical because um, for about a week straight, we woke up to a whistle. El Pito in Spanish, uh, that was his name. And whenever we heard the whistle blow, we had to wake up and we had 10 seconds to run to wherever the whistle was on campus, even if that was a mile uphill. And <laughs> wait, what if you had to pee? It was you just peed your pants. <laughs> like, <laughs> we had a lot of those incidents actually. Um, and usually it was in between 4 and 5 30 in the morning, yeah. And then we would we'd run laps around the soccer field, jumping jacks, crab walks. Um, this soccer field is infested with horse poop as well. So we all broke out into hives because we had to army crawl through wet uh, horse poop infested soccer fields. Is this King's Castle? Yes. Yeah, you have to get a hold of them. <laughs> They're 
great. It sounds borderline legal. Yeah, like, yeah. It was a little sketchy at times. They were like holding us underwater, and yeah. <laughs> Did you have any idea of this before you went? No. Oh my. They didn't tell us. They're like, we we're like, what is boot camp? They're like, every boot camp's different. We don't know. So we we're like, okay. But the whole purpose of it was really cool. It was to um, strengthen our faith in God and to break down our physical and mental strength so much to where we could have to rely on God. Like, you're just so physically weak that you have to pray and be like, God, please give me, your, like, please be my strength. Please give me strength through this because I can't run another lap around the soccer field. And then. You know, he would be that strength. And it was just like so incredibly strengthening in your faith because you're like, oh my gosh, of course he's real. Otherwise, I would be dead right now. Shoo. We're going to come back to that. <laughs> Macy, you went to Mexico this summer. Yes. Not your first time out of the country, though, right? No. I also went on an El Salvador trip with Abby the first time we both went. So that entire time that we were recording with her, you were sitting in here with us, yeah. And I had forgotten you were on that trip. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, that's all right. Uh, so, what were you able to take away from that trip? And obviously, you had the desire to do something again. So, my first trip in El Salvador that only lasted a week. Honestly, my experience was not that great. I, I mean, like encountering God and like being able to work with like all the little kids and stuff that wasn't that was not bad that was not the bad part of it but i think a lot of what was just like that kind of turned it off for me was that i like i knew the people that were there and i knew that they kind of sort of had to be friends with me and you're talking about the americans yeah okay. <laughs> um so these people that i went to youth group with and we got put in groups and that was like our ministry groups and we worked with them whenever we did any sort of ministry and I didn't mind doing the ministry part but like working with them kind of sucked but um, I also remember being really sick so that was probably a big part of it as well but after that trip I I really didn't want to go on a missus trip and I was like you know what it's not for me but like I did it's not like I totally hated this experience but I was just like, you know, it's not for everyone, but it was good trying it. But um, my sister, Michael, that is now on staff in Mexico through YWAM in Mazatlan, she suggested going and doing a program called Verano de Fuego, also known as Summer of Fire, just like a month-long program in Mexico. And it's just like this two weeks of like, diving into God's word and really like getting to know him better. And then two weeks of like going out and ministering. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like it sounds fun, but you know, I just don't know. I thought I was like, okay, if I do this, I won't do it this upcoming summer, but I'll do it like the next one. Cause that was also the same summer that Abby went on her mission trip. Cause I was like, I'm going to have to fundraise for it. I really don't want to take away from her. And like, not that I didn't think that, it would interfere quite as much, but I was like, like this should, I don't know. But, um, so I was like, okay, I'll do it next summer. But then I started realizing a lot of things about like what had been going on because like in my life, Millie had left for Paris and she was the sister that I had home Yeah. and Michael was not at home. But, um, I came to realization that, like, maybe I should go. Maybe God is calling me. And my dad had a talk with me. He was like, I think if you're going to go, that you should go this summer. And he said, don't worry about finances and that I'll, like, I'll take care of it. I'm like, are you sure? Like, it's nearly $2,000. He was like, I'll take care of it. I'll find a way to take care of it. And he ended up selling his motorcycle so that I could go because he thought it was that important for me to be able to learn to get to know God better and really be in his presence and be able to live my life for him truly to the fullest. Did not know that. That's interesting. Now you know. I'll have to give him a pat on the back. The more you know. We're going to push pause on your story. We'll come back. And Melena is here as well. Um, I knew that she would say the most words more than likely. (laughs) So we put her third, um, Macy just mentioned that you were in Paris 
do you mind if we rewind it even further than that? No, I so don't. So kind mind. of your decision process, and first you're going <laughs> over here, and now you're going over there, and not in a negative way at all, but just kind of retrace your steps right? and talk us through that, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so after high school, I really wanted to go to a college. Uh, couldn't afford it, so I, but I really felt like God was telling me to go to that college, but I couldn't afford it, so I just jumped in and went to IEPUI. Um, that first semester was probably the worst season of my life I have ever had. And I think part of it is because I was walking out of the will of the Lord. But um, I went for music technology mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I really don't like this. Uh, maybe I'll change my major. Well, maybe I, I should try doing this. I should try doing this. And I was trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. And originally I had signed up to do a DTS in Montana uh, the September of this year. Through YWAM? Through YWAM, okay. yeah. Um, so I I really did want to do a DTS, and my old, older sister, Michael, was telling me I really should try it. and um, So that was the plan. And Oh, yeah. So we had a, a guest speaker, Alicia Benen and I. She, or Robertson, Robertson whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she was talking about how a lot of Christians don't take their call that God has given them very seriously. They're just kind of like, oh, well, I'll get to it eventually. Um, and I was reminded that God has called me to do music because I love music and he's given me that passion and I just love traveling and rock and roll and I just wanted to be in a band and I was like, okay, God, like, if this is what you really want me to do, I will do anything, uh, to do what you've originally called me to do. I don't care what the cost is. And he was like, okay, drop out of school. And I was like, um, I don't really know about that because, I was on a scholarship that paid for all of my tuition, Ooh. and I so I wasn't paying for anything. I was living at home. Um, I mean, I paid for some class fees, but that was it. Yeah. And so I was like, um, I don't, God, you need to give me some some more. Um, what am I going to do instead of college? Because it was so much money on the line, and I was so nervous, and um, I felt the pressure from everyone. I told my parents, I was like, hey. I feel like I'm supposed to drop out of school and I don't know why. And they're like, well, we know that it's been really hard for you. So are you going to drop out just because it's been difficult? And I was like, no, cause I know I can push myself to finish out this year, but I don't know why I feel like I should drop out. Um, so I was really praying a lot. Um, I was like, okay, God, like I need another sign. Like I need some, a word from you, a, a dream, a vision, something. I need something. So I was looking through DTSs again. I was like, well, maybe I'm supposed to do a DTS sooner. So I was looking through some and I felt like a couple of them were standing out. There's one in Spain. There was the one in Paris and there was one in England, I think. Um, and I was like, okay, God, like if you want me to do one of these, like tell me. And that night I had a dream about being by the Eiffel Tower with like these blossoming trees in spring and it was so awesome but I was there for missions and I was like okay God like this is what you want me to do and that was in February so um, I told my mom I was like hey I'm supposed to go to Paris I'm dropping out of school today and I went to the uh, administration's office and was like hey I want to unenroll um, and I was really nervous because everyone was like you are crazy because that was free tuition like the government throwing money at me Um but she really helped confirm that I was really making the right decision. She was so calm, and she was like, you know, if you really feel like this is what you're supposed to be doing, then do it. Don't let anything hold you back. And so that just kind of helped confirm that this is what I was supposed to be doing. Um, so from there, I just uh, worked a lot more, raised money, and um, it was really crazy because when I actually got to Paris, um, one of the girls there was like, hey, I just had this picture from God. I thought I felt like I was supposed to tell you that, like, you really belong here. And he gave me this picture of you standing on the Eiffel Tower with, like, one of those scooters and, like, the trees were blossoming and it was spring and you were just having a good time. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's the dream that I had. And so it was just really crazy, even though there's so much on the line. That was just stuff. That's just money. That's just education. And, I mean, it feels a, like a lot to the secular world. But when you think about um, God's call in your life and you have to take it seriously. And so that was me taking it seriously. And I'm so, so happy that I did because a lot of stuff happened. It was really cool. So you got on a plane and flew to Paris, France. Yes. All right. So you're. we're going to push pause and take a break. You're mm-hmm. in Paris. You're in El Salvador and you're in Mazatlan. Yes. We'll be right back. 
Hi, I'm Alicia. And I'm Daniel, Ben Adonai, from He Is Revival Ministries. Our heart is to see the church healthy, whole, and moving in the power of God. We've dedicated our lives as traveling ministers to help support and encourage the church, to help build up the church, advance the kingdom, and bring a true message of revival. We'd love for you to partner with us in prayer and financially. Connect with us online at heisrevival.com. Click on Give to make a monthly recurring donation. And keep up with us on facebook.com slash heisrevival. This is Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church. Abigail, I'm going to pick back up with your story, if I can remember where we were. Um, But you were telling us about boot camp, which sounds really neat. (laughs) And the lesson there is is to weaken your human spirit to the point where you have no choice to rely on God. So at what point did you move from? where I would have been indignation that this is not what I signed up for. This is not right to this is a really good spiritual lesson. Was there a moment that clicked or was that just a hindsight only? (laughs) I think most of it was hindsight. But um, when we had a devotional time with the Master's Commission students of El Salvador, um, they had this whole worship time and they had like these dramas that they did about like the different countries that they were all called to. It was like Africa week when we went because they all have, they always have themes and um, there was a sermon, but most of it was in Spanish and there wasn't a translator, but eventually one of the bilingual people that was there ended up sitting in between all of us and like was translating, like whispering to us. They're like, this is what he's saying right now. <laughs> and, but that moment, it was right before we went on outreach. So we had completed boot camp at that point. And I was just like so glad that I had gone through all of that, even though I hated so much of it. <laughs> um, and I was just like, why did I even come here? Like, I was just so bitter and tired and weak. But being in that devotional time and being with these new friends that I made and having such a fun like time worshiping and dancing with everyone and just being around all these people i was like god called me here and i've already gotten through what was probably the hardest part of it so i'm pretty stoked on this and i'm really glad that god taught me um how to rely on him more and even like once i was back home i was like man this is really hard like this is really challenging my spiritual self this is really challenging my faith this is really challenging my emotions i just remembered that i had tools for that now and that i could remember i was like god is my strength and i can surrender that to him even at home not just on the missions trips and stuff so i ask this hesitantly but would you recommend some variation of that boot camp for every believer um if (laughs) we're sitting here living our comfortable midwestern american lives and going to the gear on sunday nights and singing songs i i feel uh, like you have gotten to a place maybe spiritually and emotionally and physically where some of us don't have to go there now we all have our trials in our lives and all that drive us to surrender but with the perspective you have do you think that's probably a good idea for everybody to maybe go through something like that i don't think everyone necessarily needs to go through a physical boot camp that works on a spiritual level like I did. Um, I know that that was what God called me to do. And so I knew that it was what he wanted me to do. I don't think that's God's intention for everyone. I think he gives us all those battles where we're plummeted to rock bottom in one way or another, where we have to surrender things to him. And so I think that everyone goes through their own form of boot camp. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you said that because I wasn't going to go. <laughs> yeah. So you, how long was uh, boot camp? 12 days, you said, or a week? It, it all kind of ran yeah. together, honestly, then, but it was in between 10 days and two weeks. And you were in El Salvador. Were you staying in like a castle looking kind of thing again? Yes. At that point, I was. <laughs> well, so, for most of it. For five of those days, we were on an outreach that was still boot camp, I think. Oh, okay. So from there, you went to other countries. Do you remember the order of countries that you went to from there? I do. While we were still in boot camp, we went to this town up in the mountains of El Salvador called Chalatenango. 
and it's really cold there. It's like 50, 40 degrees, which is really different from El Salvador's typical, like, 80, 90 degrees. And so we spent... We were, all we knew was we were spending, like, five days there. It ended up being three days in Chalatenango. And then they're like, okay, we are going out today. And we're just walking, you know, we drive to this town, we're walking through the town, and they just, our leaders just walk us up to a boat dock. They're like, okay, put your stuff on the boat. We're like, wait, what? And, like, some of us are scared of water. Like, I do not like riding on boats. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not getting on that thing. That thing looks so sketchy. It's just this tiny little boat, and, like, it doesn't even look like it's, like, motorized, but it was. (laughs) They're like, yeah, put all your stuff on there. We're going on there. And so we go to this little, like, inland that's, like, 30 minutes from shore in El Salvador. And we spend, we were supposed to spend two nights there. Everyone got sick on the island, and it's an inland, but we called it the island. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone got sick within 24 hours of staying there. Um, the boys had to sleep outside. The bathrooms were hardly bathrooms. They were just, like, little boxes outside. The showers were basically cardboard boxes outside with uh, clean buckets of water. And... Um, the church that we were sleeping in, the girls were sleeping inside and the guys were sleeping outside. It didn't really matter because the beetles made their way in and they crawled all over us all throughout the night. So not a lot of people got much sleep because they're screaming girls all night. And um, so we begged our leaders to please let us go back to campus uh, a day early. And they're like, okay, but you're going to have to pay for the boat ride back. And we were like, we don't care. It's only $20. We can do that. Like, we just need to go home. And it was also the 4th of July. And we wanted to be back on campus to see the fireworks and have s'mores and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, we ended up leaving a day early. And I still don't know to this day if we offended the pastor that was hosting us or not. But we prayed for them before we left. So hopefully that smoothed it over a little bit. That should do it. Wow. That's intense again. So at this point, you're coming off, or was that part of boot camp, or was that? I, I believe that was in yeah. the middle of boot camp. Okay, yeah. so you got back to campus, and you're questioning your life. <laughs> yeah. What was next? Um, we did a little bit more boot camp. I think we had like two days. We spoke with the people who uh, founded King's Castle. They asked us how we were doing. They gave us uh, Pizza Hut. That was really nice. And... Um, then we left for. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "I want pizza." <laughs> um, then we left for Guatemala. We spent less than a week in Guatemala, and then we spent about a full week in Belize, and then we spent another full week in Honduras, and then we came back to El Salvador for another full week, and I don't know, man. Like it was all crazy. We met so many people, and. Uh, so many things happened. It was just, it was crazy. We're probably not going to get to it all. Oh, no. But a thumbnail. I mean, if you were to look back at your summer, what's the one thing that stands out the most, like the most vivid picture in your mind? Is it the Beatles? <laughs> no. Um, it's like all the scenery and the people that I spent that time with, they were all like, even if my experiences with the people socially wasn't always the greatest I know that they were all put in my life for that season or for more than a season, like for a reason. And, um, like I tend to romanticize like cities and places a lot. I think that everything's just a giant poem and I'm just like, (laughs) whoa. And I'm like, and then I'm like, it's actually not that deep, but, um, I like to think about like just the scenery, all the things I saw and all the children that were so like, visibly touched by what God was doing through us. I remember earlier when you were here, you said that El Salvador maybe looked like more like God intended the planet to look. Was that also the case with the other countries that you visited? Um, not with Belize. Belize was like just a big Florida. <laughs> it was really <laughs> weird. Cause all the other countries are like really like mountainous and like they have beautiful buildings and all of this beautiful like scenery and greens and like plants and animals and then Belize is just like 
dry and like sandy and there were just lots of huts and mm-hmm. it was weird but the ocean was beautiful we went snorkeling in the atlantic ocean i think in belize it was so cool wow snorkeling yeah had you done that before no, I'd never done that. We got to swim with... I was like two inches away from a stingray. It was awesome. That's dangerous. I know. I thought one was going to sting me, but it didn't. What's the crocodile guy's name? I don't want that to happen again. Steve Irwin. Yes. Yeah, so I almost got Steve Irwin. <laughs> Moment of silence. Two inches away from being Steve Irwin. <laughs> well, I guess it is. We're thankful that you came back alive. Me too. <laughs> Coming into the full realization of that. Uh, Macy, you, uh, we left your story with your dad, made the sacrifice. So how would you describe your mindset and attitude then leaving for the trip? Because you're obviously grateful to your father for this gesture that he's yeah. made. But you expressed some reticence earlier on. So as you were headed down to Mexico, how would you describe your attitude? I was very nervous because I was going there alone i had never been on a plane alone and not to mention that she doesn't like like planes yeah i don't like planes like the takeoff usually freaks me out a lot so going there alone having to deal with like the airports i was in like a super the phoenix airport i was huge i was really nervous and then i got down there well so i also had asked my sister michael i was like hey are you gonna be um at the airport when i get there she was like i'll see if i can but i don't know I'll have to look into it, and she said that she would try, but she had later mentioned that she wasn't going to be able to make it because her schedules didn't line up with, like, the time that they were going to come pick me up. But I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to have to look around. Uh, uh, Abba, English? You speak English? Uh, hello? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but usually if you see someone American, like, ask them, like, Hey, are you like, where's the YWAM? Something or other. But as soon as I got through the doors, I actually saw Michael and I dropped all my stuff and I like ran into her arms and it was super awesome, super dramatic. Did you cry? Uh, no, but. Surprising. I know, I'm, I cry a lot. Um, <laughs> um, but like my bags fell and like made a huge clank and everyone turned my way and I was like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I love my sister. I haven't seen her in a long time. So, um. Those crazy Americans. I know, right? But so I was definitely like really nervous and hesitant whenever like on the way there. But as soon as I saw Michael and I like got in to our van and we headed toward base, like I felt really at home because I was with Michael and I was with my sister. Like I didn't feel too strange around people that I didn't know because there was still a lot of other people there in the van. Like this huge van that was filled with people, but I didn't care because I was like I'm with Michael. I feel so at home. But so like as soon as I got down there, things were. These were good. We actually had Michael on while you were there. We did a Skype with her. Yeah. Um, but she said she wasn't, I don't remember if she said she wasn't seeing you a lot, but you weren't like rooming with her. No. Um, she was still living her own life while you were down there. How often did you yeah. get to see her? So on weekends, I got to see her a lot because they leave weekends free for people to do just kind of whatever they want. And um, sometimes I saw her in the morning, but she actually had an apartment a couple roads down, but while I was like living on base, so I had to walk like a block and a half from base to get to her apartment. So I wasn't really anywhere close to her, like rooming wise. Right. But whenever I actually started like my lecture phase and um, going to classes and whatnot, I didn't see her a lot because our schedules didn't match up. She was in one classroom while I was in another. And then we would pretty much switch because there was only two classrooms. And I would take, I think I would take four classes a day. I would wake up, I'd eat breakfast, do quiet time. I would go to class and then I would go back. You know, we would have like a 30-minute break, have another class, go eat lunch. We would do chores and then I'd go to class and then I would have dinner and then I'd have class again. And then I'd go to bed. And that was like the schedule for two weeks so and her schedule was kind of similar but because she was staffing she was helping out with the dts Mm -hmm. but our schedules were just very different and then two weeks in i then went to outreach and i didn't see her at all i didn't text her at all call her at all because um we weren't really allowed to charge our phones at all i don't even know why i brought it um but uh like we didn't really have any contact with uh, people on base. We actually went a state over or two. 
I don't know. But for outreach? Yeah, for outreach. Okay. So I was, I don't know what state I was in. I don't know either. Why are you looking at me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you've taken geography. I haven't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I actually went to the state Nayarit, and I went to two places in Nayarit. I went to Zapote de Picacho, and I went to Compostela. Can you say those again? Zapote de Picacho. Bless you. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Compostela. Those places were super remote, and I didn't really get to have much contact with her. In fact, I did my laundry right before I left, which the lady that does laundry lives in the same apartment that Michael does. And I was like, oh, Michael, I need to say hi. She's like, I'll see you in a little, like, in five minutes. I was like, okay. And then, like, five minutes later, I went back, and she was gone, and I didn't see her until I got back. (laughs) (laughs) Like, ah, you turned. How long were you gone in total? A month. Four weeks. So two weeks of class and two weeks of outreach? Yes. All right. Pause. Okay. This is the Summer Missions Recap episode. We're here with Abigail Wilhite, Macy Feasel, and Melina Feasel. Melina, you have three minutes. Oh, no. Starting now. You got to Paris, and then what? I got to Paris, and I met a lot of people from a lot of different places, and I really didn't like the people that I was with at the beginning. Um, but a lot of the things that I learned while I was in Paris, cause I did a lecture phase very similar to Macy, um, was that it's not about me and I had a lot of problems <laughs> that I needed to work out with God and he worked them out. I, my identity was completely changed. Um, a lot of identity in my dad. And so he, his back just like basically died while I was gone and it ripped me apart but then God was reminding me that my identity is not in him but it's in it's in Christ and so that was one of the things and then sorry this doesn't kind of get your time but are, are you inferring or maybe I don't want to read into it but possibly that your dad's back trouble was a indirect or maybe direct spiritual lesson for you in some way oh definitely totally spiritual lesson <laughs> does he know this uh I not. think so I think he does I haven't really talked to him about it but yeah, as I, like, melted apart, I just, like, was like, oh, I can't do anything. Like, what am I supposed to do with myself? And because I'm just the kind of person, like, when there's a problem, I want to fix it. And I want to be able to do something about it. And there was nothing I could do while he was there and I was here. And um, I know when he's home alone all the time, he gets really lonely and, like, borderline depressed. And so I was like, oh, dang it, if I was home right now, I would he, I'd be with him. And I was so mad. And, like, yeah, I just, like... I changed who I was and, and then yeah and then God was telling me like no like he is okay you do not trust that I'm going to take care of him mm-hmm. and you have way too much identity in him because a lot of my life I've been told oh you're just like John you're baby John um, oh you can tell that you're John's daughter and not only just because I look like him but I act like him and not all the good aspects <laughs> of him are I can see in myself and so um yeah Anyway, so, yeah, it was definitely um, affecting me spiritually directly. I definitely think God placed that to happen while I was gone for a reason. John would probably say that's worth it. Oh, probably. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it was it was a mess. I know it was. I remember was, FaceTiming him once, yeah. and he was just trying to get a cup of coffee and, like, watching him get up off the couch. I was, I was only FaceTiming him. And watching him get up off the couch, onto the wheelchair, wheeling himself to the coffee maker, and he stood up and he just started to cry. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And like, I don't know, like when you see the head of your household having to use a wheelchair to go get a cup of coffee and like crying, it's, I mean, my dad is emotional, which was where I get it, (laughs) but um, it's hard. And especially if you put too much of your identity in him. And now I know that it's okay to be like my dad. There are good qualities that I have that come from my dad. Um, But putting too much identity in that, saying, oh, well, I do this because that's what my dad does. And I'm just like my dad. That's not true. I am my own person. So, yeah. I'm fascinated by how we're uncovering these spiritual lessons that you all encountered this summer in vastly different ways like what god can use Mm -hmm. to work in our hearts is just amazing um i remember one sunday night your dad's testimony was i took a shower standing up today and that day it really hit home like i mean i was praying for him a lot we were all praying Mm -hmm. for him and and laying hands on him and all that i know he's not necessarily out of the woods even but 
that was a moment of realization for me that man, I I don't have back pain and I have it so good yeah. and I I will never take that for granted again. Yeah. Uh, after what he went through this summer. So anyway, as you were. Yeah. So um, so that is like one big lesson that I learned, but also something that I learned is that I had a huge issue with pride and wanting to be right all the time. And so God showed me that through the relationships that I made while I was there. And I met a kid. His name is Justin, and he is. We are very, 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 very similar, like super similar. If I was an Asian 18-year-old boy, that would be me. <laughs> um, so, but because of that, we butt heads a lot. And um, because of that relationship, I realized, wow, I have a huge issue and this is so bad and this this can't happen because you can't be close to God when you're prideful. And it's hard to admit that you're prideful because that goes against being prideful. Um so that was crazy, and it was really cool um, having the steps of, okay, recognizing this, learning to hate this sin because that's, that's death. It's death, and, and then um, allowing God to work in your heart and remove that was awesome. And that wasn't just in the portion where I was learning about that kind of sin. It was also in um, when, I was out of the, when I left Paris and I went on outreach and learning to uh, have humility in... Um, in missions and working with other people when someone's not doing the dishes right and they're using dirty water and they're not even actually cleaning the dishes, learning to shut your mouth. That's just an example. Like when you know there's a faster way to do something and you can be doing it better, but knowing that you're not in your house, well, this isn't, you're a guest and learning to have humility. And this is the way the person, this person wants this task done and respecting that. Yeah. That was a huge, like, it was rough. It was really a really difficult lesson to learn, and I'm still learning it. I'm still learning to shut my mouth or um, taking a second to take a deep breath and take a step back and look at what's happening. Yeah. If I could chime in on something. Yeah. Um, I remember being at school one day, and you called me, and you said, hey, I just want to say that I'm sorry for playing the I'm a college kid card a lot on me because while – while yeah. you were home, you always said, like, oh, I'm too tired. I know we played, I know we had plans, but um, I'm too tired to do this right now. I'm a college kid. I, I'm i broke. I don't have money. Yeah. You know, I had free tuition. And you just, like, you did that a lot, and it definitely irritated me. But you made the effort to call me and say, I'm sorry. Yeah. That was intense. This is nice. It's the holiday <laughs> season. Families are coming together. Yeah, I Aww. mean, it was because to Macy, like, I was like, oh, she's my little sister. She can deal with it, whatever. <laughs> um, but hmm. yeah, like I was because I, yeah, I was, I was tired and I was in college and I was working a job and going to school, taking more credit hours than I probably should have been taking. Um, I still made a commitment with you and I broke that commitment sometimes, actually a lot of the time. So yeah, like realizing, like putting yourself in someone else's shoes and realizing how awful that is. But not only is that like, I, I don't know. Go ahead. Well, I was just, it's interesting because that obviously provided some healing for Macy, but it was, you know, you stepping out, you mm-hmm. following God to your trip where that lesson was learned, transferring it to your sister. Mm-hmm. Even if it was a small thing, it's still got to work. And yeah. That's, you know, that's what these episodes are supposed to be about. So mm-hmm. thank you for bringing that to the forefront, Macy. No problem. Yep. So I learned a lot. And then, so after that um, schooling, I went to Switzerland first. And that's where the music came in. This is originally what I was like, God, like you called me to do music and use it to minister to people. Um, I want to do that. And this was it. We made bands and we played cover songs and I wanted to play original rock music, but that's not what I got because that's not what God intended. But um, so being in Switzerland and getting to minister to people. And I remember like the biggest thing I was so nervous about was breaking the language barrier just to any new missionary like person doing YWAM or whatever there is no such thing as a language barrier I mean it's kind of there but it is not an excuse at all Mm. especially if you're in a place like Europe Europe or Asia or something like that if you can learn how to say do you speak English but you're probably with someone who speaks both languages and you can just grab their arm and start talking to them um so learning to break that, but learning, I got to use music to talk to people and I like got to see that call that God had in my life become reality. And so being in Switzerland, um, I led, I remember leading a guy to the Lord for the first time and it was crazy. And it's, 
it wasn't it didn't just happen once like i had to go to him every single day for two weeks uh go to his um what's it called his booth that he had set up to sell his little like good vibe bracelet things but um yeah, it was really awesome, and then we went back to Paris and did the exact same thing, um, and that was super awesome. I also got to learn how to use art to evangelize to people, and yeah, just making more connections and meeting more people and talking to more people about the Lord, and you'd be surprised about how many people don't even know who Jesus is in Paris, because a lot of modernly, they raise kids, some parents raise their kids to not know anything, so they can figure it out themselves, so they don't ever take them to church um they don't ever tell them anything they're just like this is life and kind of and so in their minds they're thinking oh well if they figure out something then great but i don't know it's just kind of weird so you you see people my age and you're like hey do you know who jesus is like they don't even know who jesus is they'll just be like no they don't know anything about the cross or the gospel or anything. So sometimes you're talking to people and you have to explain from the very beginning how sin entered the world and who God is and uh, who Jesus is and the awesome sacrifice that he made. And so that was crazy. And we also got to share that um, while I was in the Middle East as well in a, in a refugee camp, got to tell a whole bunch of kids. We were just teaching them about basics of music theory. But one day we were able to, there's probably 40 kids in this class and they were anywhere from seven years old to 14 years old and uh one day the refugee leaders left and it was just my team's leaders and they're like hey we're gonna share the gospel hey millie will you like share the gospel so i did and they know who jesus is but actually no they didn't know who jesus was so i explained like jesus died on the cross for your sins so we can have a relationship with god and so we asked them like hey have you guys ever heard the story before and none of them None of them knew who, that story. So then we took it back and we were like, okay, well, this is what sin is and this is how it entered the world and this is why it's so important that Jesus died on the cross and that that, that story is true. And we were like, does anyone have any questions? As the new leaders were coming back into the caravan and like seven or six kids shot their hands up and we were like, okay, we'll answer them tomorrow. <laughs> um, but it was crazy because they were asking questions like, because we talked about the Trinity and so it's hard for even me as a 20 year old yeah. to wrap my mind around the Trinity. And there's a six year old girl asking us, Hey, like, I don't understand how there can be three people, but one God. And they're like, I just don't understand how that works. And there wasn't like a, well, how does this work? Like a sassy trying to prove me wrong, but genuine curiosity of how does this work? And I don't know. It was crazy. I'm kind of getting scatterbrained, but <laughs> Yeah. I think that was more than three minutes. That's it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure it was. I mean, you hear about unchurched regions on the globe. You don't think about places that common and developed, I guess. You, yeah. Like, you think of some jungle dude with no chance of right. ever hearing it. Right. So that's, yeah. That's a big wake-up call mm-hmm. to hear that. This is the Summer Missions Recap episode. We're here with Abigail Wilhite, Macy Feasel, and Melena Feasel. Let's go back around the room. Two questions for each of you. Abigail, what from your summer have we not uncovered that you still want to talk about and then what is next for you i'll answer the second one first because i know that one better i've been emailing with a lot of people from different locations and bases in wyoam recently about next summer and i've also been talking about a certain missions trip over spring break that i'm not sure is going to work out or not but I, right now, I feel like God is calling me primarily to Brazil this year. So I really want to go to Brazil this year because I feel like that's what God's put on my heart. So I'm going to try everything I can to get there this summer. But if it doesn't work out, then God has something else in mind. Something from this past summer, something really cool actually happened. Um, I wasn't necessarily, God wasn't talking to me. He was talking to someone else on my team through me. It was probably less than a week before we had to go. We all had to go back home. Like, the trip was going to be over soon. And we were all just, like, sitting by the pool on campus. I looked over, and I saw that one of my teammates was crying. And I was like, girl, what's wrong? And she was like, I really don't want to go home. Like, it just does not seem fair that I find a place that God's called me to, and then I have to go back to the United States. Like, that just does not make sense to me. This was something that I'd never thought of before, something that had never even crossed my mind before, but started just like pouring out of my mouth. And I did not have an explanation for it. 
other than God was using me to pour into this girl. And I was just like, you know, we might be called to a certain place here in Central America or wherever in the world, but it took obedience for us to come here and it's going to take obedience for us to go back because God placed us in the places we were born and the places we're growing up in right now for just as strong and vital of a reason as he placed us on the World Warriors trip. And you can't be bitter about going back home because that's just as disobedient as being bitter about being on this trip. And there's like another girl on my team who's listening. She was like, yeah, yeah, that's good. You're right. And she was like cheering me on the whole time. And we were all just getting fired up. And she came home and she posted this thing on Instagram about the trip. And like the whole subject of her post was exactly what I had told her. Mm. So I knew it was something that she needed to hear because it was something that she learned and that she took from the trip. It was also something that I found myself having to remind myself of because I didn't want to go home either. I love Central America. I love missions work. I love traveling. I love meeting new people and all the things that I was learning. So God used me to speak to someone else, but it was also something that I needed to hear. And that helped me learn that God wasn't always just a booming voice in your head. Sometimes it's like little things like, oh, I really love this. And that's just God, like, giving you a passion for something. Or you're talking to someone else, and that's God's voice through you. And that happened to me another time while we were in the prayer palace, which is this place of 24-7 constant prayer since 1998. Mm. And one of the girls, she was discouraged because she hadn't heard God's voice in, like, a few months. And she was... She thought that there was something wrong with her spiritual walk because of that. And I was like, it's not always just a voice. Sometimes there are other ways that you can hear God through you. And everyone was like, who are you? Like, where does this come <laughs> from? You, I haven't even heard you talk yet. And I was like, prayer palace is pretty cool. It's a challenge for us all. You are not the most talkative person in our church. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you, we hear it all the time. Well, God will give you the words when the time comes. It sounds nice. <laughs> But, I mean, you just told us. I mean, there are no excuses. Yeah. You talk about a lesson in trust. I mean, just I'm an introvert and not the most talkative guy either. So I tend to hide behind that sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's easy. Easy to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Macy, same two questions. Anything important that we have left uncovered? And what is next for you? So something that I wanted to mention was um, my testimony that I actually developed in Mexico. Um, I've been a Christian my whole life, and I feel like... Like, oh, I don't really have a testimony, and that's not always true, but I feel like I really developed it during this trip, and it's about, like, God's love for me and just, like, being able to feel loved. And I, me and my sisters are very close, and they were, like, I guess you can say that I relied on them for my love and affection, um, which isn't as bad as, like, girls, like, going on guys, like, oh, the guys are the only people that love me. But it's still not the right thing because we need to rely on God for our love. And um, something that I didn't notice was that I relied on them for my love. And I, when Michael left, I was devastated. I was like, this sucks. I mean, I know she's doing what she's supposed to be doing, but I just kind of felt like God took away one of my sisters from me. And I was like, okay. It's fine. I still have Millie, I guess. Um, <laughs> Little did you know. <laughs> okay. Um, but I thought, I was like, okay, I still have Millie. It's not like he's taking away everything from me. And, you know, I thought like, okay, this is good. Things are going fine. And then Millie dropped out of college and went to Paris. I was like, well, this sucks. <laughs> like, this is awful. And I was still in school and I was home alone a lot and... As Millie said earlier, how my dad gets lonely whenever he's home alone. I'm the exact same way. <laughs> I get really lonely when I'm home by myself. In fact, like, whenever my parents go away for a weekend, they're like, go spend the night with the Bull Heights. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so I felt, like, really alone, and I was just like, okay, this sucks. This is awful. But little did I know that I was beginning to try and find that love somewhere else. And really little did I know that I thought that I... I didn't know that I was searching for love, but I ended up like getting this boyfriend and I dated him for like maybe a month, not even. And 
They looked like they were related. It was really weird. <laughs> have to mention. It. He's not going to listen to this, is he? No. <laughs> um, so, um, and I got this boyfriend, and I ended up breaking up with him. It was super easy on my hand, um, but I still felt like this. Uh, this sucks. But then I went to Mexico, and I began like like taking my classes, and a lot of the classes were focused on, well. All the classes were focused on getting to know God better, which is like learning to hear God's voice, learning how to study the Bible, um, the character and nature of God, and like all these things. And so I mentioned to my friend that like Michael had went to Mexico, Millie had went to Paris, and how I got this boyfriend. But I, I broke up with him, not knowing that I was just like moving on one by one, just like trying to find love somewhere, not knowing that. And she asked me, she goes do you think that you're just like roaming around like a lost puppy looking for love from somewhere? And I was like, Oh my goodness, I am. And I was like, I really need to be getting this love from God. And so I began to like really pray about that during my lecture phase. And I was like, okay, God, I realize now, like, what do I have to do to know and see your love for me? And like during our quiet time, I would, they always told us like either like read your Bible, pray, or just like like listen to some music. But they always encouraged us to read the Bible or like write some notes down. But like this one night, I was um, I didn't feel called to do that. I felt like God was like, well, so we went to the beach that day for our quiet time. So I I really felt like God was telling me to just like sit and look out at the ocean. I was like, okay. So I listened to music and I was just like staring at the ocean like the whole time for an hour. And I'm like, okay. God thought of me when he made this ocean. He thought, like, I can't wait and like until Macy comes to, like, see this. And I was, like, he's just so excited for me because he loves me and he cares about me. And I was like, okay. Like, okay, you care about me, but, like, I didn't really feel God's love. And I was still just, like, looking around for it. But eventually this one day during class, this class that we were taking, this guy was talking about how like our teacher was talking about how we need to present ourselves to God and how whenever we talk about like, oh, I don't feel like praying or I don't feel like reading the Bible, that that hurts God. And he was just like talking about like stand up if you want like a like a new beginning, a fresh start to go do that. And so I was like, I feel like I feel called to do this. So I did. I stood up and like after I stood up. One of my leaders came up from behind me, gave the hugest hug, and she said to me, she was like, God loves you so much, and he's so proud of you in this moment. And I broke down crying at that moment. I was like, oh my goodness, like I've done all these things to try and look for God's love for me, but I, it had to be this moment to see and feel God's love and affection for me. And later, the guy that had to stand up he was like okay all the people are standing up that said that they wanted like a fresh start and a new beginning you guys are getting baptized in the ocean right now and so we walked to the beach from that like from there luckily we weren't too far away like a 20 minute walk and i was wearing full like clothes jeans a t-shirt and i went and got baptized in the ocean and i felt so much better from that moment on and it's just so crazy how i like knowing that God loves me and I still sometimes struggle to see that but then I think back and I see like notes that my friends have written in my notebook and I'm like wow I'm just now seeing this and it literally says like God loves you so much and he like you're his daughter like God loves you so much I'm like wow mm-hmm. so actually I was planning on graduating early I was going to try and graduate a whole year early because I really wanted to do a DTS. I experienced that little month-long program. And I was like, I want to do the full six months. I just want to do it right now. And I really wanted to graduate early so I could do that, which I couldn't end up graduating as early as I wanted to. I'm only going to graduate a semester early instead of a year early. But um, I plan on going to Mexico for a DTS. So I'm planning on. Nobody asked me, but I'm just listening to you, the power that comes to us when we find that identity in Christ, when we know who we are. And for those of us who have grown up in it, unless you have that moment, you, you have that epiphany, we're operating with half a tank until we come to that realization of... Yeah. And then that affects 
our effectiveness in our for those of us who are married or those of us who are over people in our jobs or those of us who have other people that we're discipling mm-hmm. that will hamper us until we know that identity in Christ and you you laid it out beautifully there Macy that come to that moment where you're like no it had to be then it wasn't going to be this note in my journal or whatever it had to be that moment yeah and when you have then you're empowered to go out and be so effective for the kingdom that's exciting Melina so one thing I know I wrote down the Middle East culture but I don't feel what to talk about that anymore Uh, I think the next step for me is, well, right now I'm working in a call center trying to get money for college because your girl's going to go back. Um, <laughs> yeah, I totally went to Paris. was like, I'm never going back to college because I was like, oh, it's just not for me. And then while I was there, God was like, actually, you're going to go back. So I, my plan is to, my plan, my plan right now, I don't know what about God's plan and his timing or whatever, but I mean, it's God's plan for me to go back to college, go to the college I was originally called to go to, which is Evangel University for something kind of like missions, but the missions program that they have over there is very um, diverse in the fact that you learned another language fluently, but they also teach you how to preach and minister not only to the international church but your local church and how to work there and leadership stuff and things like that so the plan right now is to do that um long term go to germany but i don't i don't know when that is at all but i really feel called to the music scene over there um so when you get to germany my last name means bag over there if that comes in handy for you apparently okay i don't know i asked a german this because i i had there's a german friend on my school i was like have you heard of the last name fiesel supposedly it's german he's never heard it before (laughs) and google says that fiesel means womanizer but i was and so i told him that he was like probably not (laughs) that's a relief so yeah i was like okay good So, yeah, that's the next step. I think, honestly, like, the biggest thing that happened was just learning about how crazy awesome God is and how insanely, like, mind blows my brains out cool he is and how big he is and how he... Okay, you think about how huge a star is. Think about how big the sun is. God just went... And it came out. Like, that is crazy. And, like... And if... Yeah, and Mason's talking about, like, I made the ocean for you, for you to look at. And I was excited to see what your reaction, I mean, he knew what our reaction was going to be, but he was excited to witness that and, like, just all of that stuff and learning about how his love is awesome and, like, learning to trust him and knowing, like, it's so crazy that also that, that kind of God pursues you, like how unperfect we are how tiny we are and god pursues to love you and he wants to be with you and even though we screw up all the time he still loves us unconditionally and how perfect and huge and completely in awe and how he's just awesome he's just really cool that's basically like the biggest thing that happened while it's gone spiritually that's big we would be re- we've mentioned Michael's name a couple times. Yeah. We were a little bit early for her being here with us. So would one of you speak on her behalf? I know she has some needs right now. Yeah. So she just moved into an apartment back in Mexico. Um so she just got a refrigerator actually, but her apartment doesn't have any appliances and she's actually several hundred dollars short monthly. I'm not sure I think she still needs another $300 a month. Is that right, Macy? Yeah. Possibly. But actually, going to put this in there. Me and Macy are actually selling Christmas gifts to help raise money for her apartment appliances. I think she's still in need of a stove. I don't think she has a microwave. Like, just basic needs that you have to have for an apartment. So we are selling ear, ear warmers, warmers, hand warmers, those chocolate things that are on the spoon that you put in the warm like milk and it makes chocolate, chocolate dip spoon. And Oh, a hand scrub. Oh, yeah. We're making a hand scrub to keep your hands nice and moisturized and get that dry skin off. So if you... And those are all by donation. If you look on... I think it's shared on her Facebook page, which is Michael for Mazatlan. I'll do it after like this. So it'll be on her Michael for Mazatlan page. And if you want something like that, you can message me on Facebook Messenger or her on Facebook Messenger and let them know what you want and like the 
hand warmers and ear warmers are custom color. Um, do whatever you want. So, yeah, that's basically it. But that's that $300 a month. Like, that is regularly she's missing that. But God's been so good, and he's been providing for her in other ways, and it's been really awesome. But, she, yeah, she still needs that support. Michael is a long-term missionary now yes. in Mazatlan, Mexico. So we'll be in prayer for that. Michael, for Mazatlan, the Facebook page, to take advantage of the Christmas deal. Yeah. Things you can be praying for for her is she gets, she's also like Macy and gets lonely pretty quickly. So she's probably a little lonely in the season. So be praying for her. She also has a roommate, but. Right. But still, she misses, she misses home. She will be home. So she flies in on the 13th. She'll be home for two weeks. She'll be home for two weeks this Christmas season. I'm sure she'll be speaking at current church as well about all of her travels. Good. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yet while you are in your youth, you are teaching us you are uh going out there do what the what jessica albertson says at the beginning of the podcast is something like these are the stories of the power of god at work in everyday lives yeah Mm -hmm. and you all are well you're not a teenager anymore not anymore as of a couple days ago yeah well happy birthday and um did you have to pay for your friend's meal when you took him out no he paid he paid for me and macy well that's good so essentially well you were a teenager when this happened so Yet while you are in your youth teaching us lessons and imparting, and thank you for your storytelling and your vulnerability, uh, this is exciting for me to be challenged in this way. So thank you very much. Melina, thank you. My pleasure. Abigail, thank you. Thank you. Macy, thank you. listening to Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church. For more information, visit currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Current Church is located in Franklin, Indiana and meets on Sunday nights at 6 at The Gear. Theme music written and performed by Still the Hand, imaging by Jessica Albertson. Please join us next time for more conversations on Big C, Little C.